ahead and grab our Bibles, Joshua and chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, as we continue our journey through the book of Joshua. Following God's working through His people as they begin to move forward and experience spiritual victory and experience God's working in their life, experience God's promises being fulfilled, experience the blessings of God in their lives. We've encountered some great victories. We've encountered some defeats. We've encountered some great obstacles along the way. And this story um, that we're going to cover, the record of Joshua chapter 9, is a little bit um, different. We're going to go ahead and cover, read the whole chapter, so all 27 verses. So bear with us. I will try not to go too fast for the poor interpreter. I'm sorry, so go ahead and read along with us. Bible says, And it came to pass, when all the kings which were on this side Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys, and in all the coasts of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite and the Amorite, the Canaanite and the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite heard thereof. What it's talking about is what God had done with the children of Israel when they heard thereof, that they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and, uh, and to Ai, they did work wily and went and made as if they had been ambassadors and took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal, and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We be come from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, notice Hivites, that was one of the people groups at the beginning of the chapter that was gathering themselves to fight against Joshua. But the people of Gibeon were coming and saying, Make a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Preadventure, ye dwell among us. What if you're right from here? How shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? They said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come. Because of the name of the Lord thy God, for we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to show the two kings did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan to Sion, king of Heshbon and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, take victuals with you for the journey and go to meet them and say unto them, we are your servants now, therefore, now make ye a league with us. This is our bread. We took hot for our provisions out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which we filled were new. And behold, they be rent. And these our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. These guys could have been used car salesmen. They're putting on quite, quite, the, quite the show here. And the men 
And he, notice this. And the men, talking about the men of Israel, took of their victuals and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. They made the promises. And it came to pass at the end of three days that after they had made a league with them, that they heard that they were their neighbors and that they dwelt among them. And the children of Israel journeyed and came unto their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon. And I'm not going to try to pronounce the rest of those. Those ones are too long. But we can read it there. And the children of Israel smote them not because the princes of the congregation had sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation murmured against the princes. But all the princes said unto all the congregation, We have sworn unto them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will even let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath which we swear unto them. And the princes said unto them, Let them live, but let them be hewers of wood and drawers of water unto all the congregation as the princes had promised them. And Joshua called them and he spake unto them, saying, Wherefore have ye beguiled us, saying, We are very far from you. When ye dwell among us. Now therefore ye are cursed. There shall none of you be freed from being bondmen and hewers of wood and drawers of water for the house of my God. They answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how, how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now, behold, we are in thy hand as it seemeth good and right unto thee to do unto us do. And so he said unto them, and he delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel that they slew them not. And Joshua made them that day hewers of wood and drawers of water for the congregation, for the altar of the Lord even unto this day in the place which he should choose. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it speaks. We, I just pray that you would be with me tonight, that I could communicate what you're saying, and that we could understand it, Lord, and that you would speak tonight. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Have you ever used the phrase, well, that didn't end well? I attach that to all of my dunk attempts playing basketball. That did not end well. Or if you've ever been driving and you've seen a non-city driver trying to parallel park. And you're, st- you're standing there and you're in your car and you're blocking the whole street as you watch them go, mm, 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 you know, going back and forth. And you're like, please, just let me get in there and park it for you. Because this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. But there's another saying that we use sometimes. All is well that ends well. All is well that ends well. This is usually a line people use after they've pulled a major mistake, but somehow it still works out. It isn't an utter failure where you're like, that didn't end well. 
It's more you're giving it an excuse as you've seen all that's transpired, but somehow it worked out and you say, all is well that ends well. Like you're driving and you get off at the wrong exit. Now, that used to be a much bigger deal before GPS, but now we have GPS and it says rerouting. But before GPS, if you got off at the wrong exit and you didn't know where you're going and you still managed to make it to your destination, you might use the phrase, all is well that ends well. Or someone trying a stunt and halfway through they realize they might break their neck on this one, but somehow they managed to survive. Or someone taking their driving test. I took my original driving test just for my regular license out in Oklahoma. And I passed by one point. All is well that ends well, we might say. Or the time we were at Brother Davis's, we were doing the caroling. I had um, come back for Christmas break. It was my senior year, so this was three, three years ago, something like that. And my dad had just gotten the iPhone 6 Plus, he'd gotten it like two weeks ago. And there was snow on the ground, and the kids were sledding. I said, hey, Dad, can I borrow your iPhone? Sure, here's your iPhone. The next thing my dad saw was me on a sled, holding his phone out in front of me, going down the hill, taking a video as I was sledding down the hill. And somebody was saying, Dad, he has your iPhone. He's like, Andrew. And I got to the bottom, went in between two trees. And I'm like, all is well that ends well. Your phone's not broke. Hopefully, we, someone doesn't say all is well that ends well about this message. But, you might look at this passage with what God is working in the children of Israel. We know God is always in control. We know God is always working. But we look at Israel and how they make, are making, it looks like they are making grave mistakes here. In fact, the verse says, And they took of their victuals and asked not counsel of the Lord. And by the time you get to the end of this passage, you almost have to say, well, all is well that ends well, because this certainly wasn't the way it should have gone. You see, God has been working in the nation of Israel. Following the victory at Ai, Israel traveled up, to, and um, my dad in Sunday school this morning covered what it took us three weeks on Sunday nights to cover and one morning on Sunday school. But they just went up to Ebal and Mount Gerizim, offered the sacrifices. That you might say they had a, spirit, a time of spiritual refreshment. Almost they got um, a time where they spent time with God, where they um, sought the face of God and heard the word of God. But the news of Israel had gotten out. And there were still many enemies left in the land. Even though they had conquered the city of Jericho even though they had conquered the city of Ai, in fact, many of their battles were still in the future. And here it comes, the Canaanites, the other, their enemies that are still in the land, hear about the God of Israel. They hear how Jericho has fallen. They hear how Ai has fallen. And in verse number 1, it came to pass when all the kings, which were on this side of Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys, and all the coasts of the great sea, that would be the Mediterranean Sea, over against Lebanon, and the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Canaan, and it goes through all the people. And they heard, they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord, with one speech, with one purpose. They came together, they're saying, well, they're conquering us. 
one city by one city. If we got together, this will never happen. If we could, so people who were normally enemies, the people in the land of Canaan who would have been fighting against each other, were now banding together and saying, we're going to stomp out Israel before they come and get us. We're, they have been defeated once before. They were defeated at Ai. So maybe if we get all our people together, we can defeat them. Maybe that was what's going through their minds. But what was not going through their minds, they were similarly, similar, whatever. Just like Jericho was. Remember in Joshua chapter 2, how Jericho had shut their gates to the people of Israel. If you've been here, if you were here for that message, Jericho had heard the exact same stories that Rahab had. They had heard about the exact same God. And what did they do to response? They shut their gates. They sealed their gates. They tried to capture the spies. They were doing everything they could to protect themselves against the God of Israel. They were calling on their gods and their idolatrous worship. And they were seeking to stop Israel and stop their God. So with one accord, they said, They begin sending out messengers. The only way we're going to defeat them is if we get all together. And so they come together into one massive coalition. Not everyone, because there would be other battles that they would fight. But all these nations begin to come together and say, we must stomp out Israel. While it seemed like everyone was coming against Israel, the inhabitants of Gibeon, who their other people in the first list of it. The Hivites were there. So other people, some of the relations, some of the other parts of the Hivites were in the coalition that was going against Israel. But the, the certain cities there around Gibeon was called Royal City. We'll find out in chapter 10 next week. But they took a different course. These cities. It says in verse number 3, and when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and Ai. So notice, it's the same thing as Rahab and Jericho. It's a, it's a parallel thing. This, you have this, you have, everybody hears the same story. But once again, we have two different responses. We have the one who is getting all their armies together to fight. And we have the other who says, we're not going to win by fighting. That's just not going to happen. So they begin to pull out. The Bible says they did work wily. They were pulling out every trick in the book. They made as if they had been ambassadors. So they were digging through their cities and saying, get the oldest sacks you can find. No, 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 no. That was not old enough. Rip it up a little bit. Stomp it in the dirt a little bit. Wait, they were going to the... Um, their local theater and pulling out all the props they could and loading it up and saying, go to the tanners and get all the animals that he's going to use um, once their, once their um, usefulness is over and they would use them to make leather. Get all the oldest ones before he can use them. We're taking those animals, the old, broken down, bow-backed animals. We're using those. Okay. And they've got their, um, maybe they had a director from one of their theaters showing them what they were going to do. They were, they were... Their lives depended on this sham. They understood that. If they didn't trick Israel, 
They knew they could not defeat them in military. Because they knew of Israel's God. We're going to find out. They knew what God had done. And so they did the only thing they knew to do. They were going to try to preserve their lives. And so they said, we be from a, a very far country. We're going to, we, we, we came all the way because we heard of you. They were using flattery. They were using um, you know, their props. They were using their acting skills. Maybe they were putting on fake accents so, they didn't sound, so their voices didn't give them away. They were doing everything they possibly could. Everything that would come into their mind. Maybe they were even reading. I'm just using my imagination here. Maybe they were even reading books on it saying, listen, okay, you are our best actors. You're going to be our um, ambassadors that go to these people. Now, what is your, um, what's your name? Okay, no, 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 no. That sounds too much like it's from around here. How many have ever listened to um, like old spy stories from like World War II or... Um, how they, the um, underground resistance in World War II. There's a lot of um, books on it. There's a lot of old-time radio shows about everybody's interested in it. And if you've ever read any books, everything to the very minute details to how they sewed their buttons on, to which hand they ate with, everything was vital to preserving their lives. Because if you weren't going into enemy country and you were found, you would be executed. So every detail was being lined up. Think of that with what they were doing. They weren't just saying, boy, I hope this works. They were dedicating every ounce of energy they had into this sham. It was a bold plan. If, they, if this didn't work, Israel would say, you're trying to trick us. And they were saying, we're done for. This is our last Hope, because of the God of Israel. Now, so this is what's come. Here comes these people into the camp. Now, Joshua and the people of Israel understood the word of God. They understood that Moses had strictly commanded them that every person of the inhabitants of the land of Canaan was to be wiped out. Why? Because they would teach them their idolatrous practices. They, their sin against God had reached a point where God could not pardon it to a say, per se. They, they, um, God allowed Israel to go into Egypt. He said because the iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full yet. He was giving them a space to repent. Now that time had elapsed. Now it was time for God's judgment to fall on the inhabitants of Canaan. God's judgment for their sin was falling on them through Israel. And God had told them through Moses, no one in Canaan is to live. But God had already rescued Rahab. Why? Because Rahab had showed faith. It wasn't that God was saying, I don't care, I hate these people. He was saying, they have turned their back against me. They have turned their back against me. They haven't listened to me. They had heard for 40 years of what God had done. When Israel had come into the land... If the whole city of Jericho had acted like Rahab, do you think God would have pardoned them? If the whole city had turned in faith and said, we want to serve the God of Israel. God is a merciful God. 
God is not a God just waiting to pour out His wrath on people. The Bible is full of the mercy and the justice of God, how great God is. But God's judgment had commanded upon the people of Canaan. God had told His people, you are to wipe out everyone in that land. They understood that. So here comes these people with their great actings. They're, they're putting their heart and soul into this. They're saying, if this doesn't work, we're done. This is our last chance. And they come before Joshua. And what do the men of Israel say? They said, pre-adventure ye dwell among us. How shall we make a league with you? What if you're from right around here? What if you're trying to trick us? We can't make a league with you. And they, and they say, we be from a very far country. And Joshua says, where are you guys from? I mean, they weren't playing games. They weren't just having a nice chit-chat here. They were, to Joshua and the men of Israel, their obedience to God was very important to them. They had just spent time with God. They were going to obey God. And Joshua was saying, where are you guys from? You guys are from right here, aren't you? He was cross-examining them. And the, and the Gibeonites, ordinarily, when you begin to challenge somebody, if they know what they're saying is not true, they back off a little bit sometimes. If you challenge them, these guys, they're life-dependent. They're not backing down at all. They say, you don't think I were from around here? Here, look at our, look at our animals. Look how old they are. Look at our clothes. Look at our shoes. They're, they're just patched together. That's what the word cloud, it has the idea of they, they were falling apart, so they tied them together. They were using bindings to tie them together. Look at our, our um, wine bottles or what we use to carry, our, to carry what we need so we can drink. Carry our water, carry our grape juice across so we have the supplies that we need. Nothing is good anymore. It's all old, cracked. It's worn out from the heat of the journey. They play this to the hilt. But they say also, listen, we've, but we, yes, we came from a car, far country. Look at all this. But we've also heard of the name of thy God. We're come from that very, very, very far country, very far away. We come from there because we've heard of your God. Because we've heard what he's done. If we go skip down to the end of the chapter where it says, um, it says in verse number 24, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. The reason why the Gibeonites were trying this is they understood God's judgment was going to come on their lives. They understood. They had heard what God had done. They understood that they did not have any defense. Even though Gibeon was one of the royal cities. It was a great city. They had mighty men of valor in their armies. It wasn't like Ai, which was a small city. 12,000. Easily the inhabitants of Gibeon could have had an army just as great as Israel with 600,000 men. Could have had an army that big. Maybe not. 
But very easily, they were one of the royal cities, is what the Bible says. And yet, they knew they could not defeat them in battle. They knew that Israel's God was the true God. And so they had come and thrown themselves basically on the mercy of the people. said, we be thy servants. They were using, they weren't saying, well, if you don't make a peace with us, we're going to fight you. They were using submissive terms. They were saying, we are coming and submitting ourselves to you. And the men of Israel looked at what they could see instead of seeking the wisdom of God. What they did was, they, the Bible says, they took of their victuals. So they began to take stock. They began to go through, okay, nothing looks out of the ordinary here. It looks like it's coming from a far country. They began to do an inspection. They began to look at what they could see. And the Bible says, in verse number, in verse number 14, and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Well, the Gibeonites had won. Right? Israel made a league with them. They said, we're not going to kill you. We'll be at peace with one another. They would have sat down and had a meal together. They would have said, we, our nations are at peace. They could breathe a sigh of release. They, relief. they had succeeded in fooling the Israelites. Everything was going to be okay. Right? But Israel discovered they had been, just a couple days later, three days later, the Bible says, Israel heard, wait a second. They're not, from, they're not from a very far country. They're from just down the road. They're from just a couple days' journey away. They understood, wait a second, we've been totally deceived. We've been totally, we've made a big mistake. And the people begin to say, they begin to murmur against the leadership of Israel. They're like, we've got to kill these people. That's what God's Word says. We've got to kill these people. And they said, we, and the... And the um, Princes told the people, we can't. We made a promise to the Lord God of Israel. We made an oath to the Lord God of Israel that we would not. We made a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that we would not slay these people. We have to keep our word to God. When you make a promise to God, it is very important. It shouldn't be something that was done lightly. In the Old Testament law that God had given, there was extreme consequences on people who made a vow to God and broke it. And the princes of Israel understood that and saying, we can't, we can't go against this vow. We've made, we've made this vow to God. It's too late. We can't go back and change our decision. We can look at this and say, wow, this is a disaster. They didn't ask God and it's a disaster. Come on. They should have known better. Well, I wouldn't have made that mistake. But I have a couple questions for you, alright? Were the people of Gibeon supposed to live before this treaty was made? No. According to the law of God, what God had commanded them through Moses, everybody in the land of Canaan was to die. The people of Gibeon were not to live. But let me ask you another question. 
Did God desire to save the people of Gibeon? Did God desire to kill them? Was that God's desire? Or did God desire, just like he did with Jonah and the city of Nineveh, how God sent a prophet and the whole, even though Jonah didn't want to go because of how wicked the city of Nineveh was, when the city of Nineveh repented, God repented of the judgment that was going to come upon them. The fact that God did desire to save anyone who will call upon His name, anyone who will submit themselves to Him, anyone who will humble themselves before God. Did not we have the sentence of death on our lives before we were saved? If we have not been saved, we still have that sentence of death from sin on our lives. But when we are, but does God desire to send us to hell for forever? No. God is a merciful God. God's desire is for everyone to come to repentance. God's desire is for everyone who, if you will simply submit to Him and follow His Word, God wants to show you mercy, but you have to show yourself defeated first. So then here's the question. Did the people of Gibeon show a desire to submit to God and not fight against Him? I would say yes. From the evidence of the text where they said, we've come because we heard of your God. And then in the end, when Joshua confronted them with their lie, they said, listen, we heard what your God was going to do to us. We were sore afraid. We knew our only hope was to fall on the mercy of your God. Would you agree with me that God desired to save the people of Gibeon? God wanted to show... When they... is completely different than the other nations at the beginning. What they do, they gathered themselves in battle against Israel. And against the God of Israel. Gibeon said, we can't fight against them. And submitted themselves. And said... They used the best of their knowledge. They hadn't known God. And so they were... Did Rahab do everything right when she was trying to show her faith? No. She lied. She sinned, trying to serve God. And when sinners try to serve God, we don't do everything right. But the people of Gibeon were saying, Israel's God is the true God, and we're going to submit ourselves to them. And God, even though the sentence of death was on the people of Gibeon, God was willing to show them mercy because they submitted to God. Because they humbled themselves before God. So what makes this story a little bit challenging? There are some people who say, Israel is completely fooled. They should never have been fooled like this. Why did Israel get tricked and to allowing the Gibeonites to live. The Bible says they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Do you think if they had asked counsel of God, do you think God would have said, these people are from around you, wipe them out? I was, as I was studying for and thinking through this message, this story is one of the great stories of the mercy of God and how He preserved them. Do you think if Israel had stopped and said, God, I'm not sure if this sounds right. What do you have us to do? Do you think God would have said, I know they're coming and submitting to me, but still wipe them out? I don't think so. 
I don't think God would have said, even if they had asked them, even if Israel had come and said, God, we need your leadership in this situation. I think God would have told them, remember Rahab. Remember what I did in Rahab's life. I want to do the same thing in these people's lives. But actually, Israel was unaware of what God was doing. They couldn't see the mercy of God. In fact, at the end of the situation, at the end when they find out, they say, you've tricked us. You're going to be cursed. You're going to just be bond servants for the rest of your life. I believe what what here is that Israel was unaware of what God was doing because they were not in communication with God. If they had been in a communication with God, they could have seen the mercy of God at work in this situation. They could have seen what God was trying to do. And there could have been fellowship with the Gibeonites that eventually would come. Eventually, the Gibeonites would become the servants of the temple. They would become the hewers of wood. They had to cut the wood for the sacrifices. They had to bring all the water that they would use to fill the labor at the temple and at the tabernacle. And during the days of Solomon, they did that. And then when Israel was removed from the land, at the end of the kings, when God, because of their sin, when they were removed from the land in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, after the Babylonian captivity, when they returned to the land, even though there was many Israelites who stayed in Babylon, guess who some of the people were that returned to the land of Israel and once again were participating and helping Israel in their worship of God? It was the Gibeonites. They came back and they were part of the worship of God through the time of David, Solomon, to the um, Babylonian captivity. They came back. They helped um, them build the wall of Jerusalem. In fact, one of David's mighty men was a Gibeonite. God used them. God was doing something mighty here. He was showing Himself that God is a God of mercy. If anyone will repent, He will receive them. But they had not been in communication with God at this point. And they didn't understand what was going on. Well, why? Israel fell into the same trap that many of us fall in today. You see, Israel had just come from a time of worship to God. They had just come from a time where they had heard the Word of God. Remember, at Mount Ebal, Mount Gerizim, Joshua had written the Word of God in the altar. They had had sacrifices with God. You might say they were just experienced a spiritual high, would be a way some people might say it. They had experienced one of those times with God where the fellowship was sweet and everything was going great. But we all have the tendency, when those times come, of just the fellowship with God is sweet. We get up in the morning and we read our Bibles and God speaks to us and everything is great. And we feel spiritually charged. 
or we have a special meeting, whether it's the men's meeting in Canada or the ladies' meeting that's coming up in September. And we have those times where God speaks to us and we get things right with God in that and the fellowship is sweet with God and we've spent that time with God and you're ready to go. Or God uses you somehow to be a blessing to someone else. And you say, wow, I must be right with God. God is using my life. When those times happen, we all have the tendency to ride it. The spiritual highs that come just to, wow, everything is going good. Instead of continuing it and punching forward and staying in that communication with God. When that time comes, just that sweet time, we tend to coast. We tend to ride the spiritual highs instead of daily and continually relying on God's wisdom and guidance. But aren't you glad God continues to work out His plans whether we understand what's going on or not? Whether we, un- why, whether we are in communion with God and saying, God, why are you doing this? Okay. I'm with you, God. I understand why you're doing this. God, I'm following you. I have your guidance in this. I'm taking each step with you. Sometimes God has spoken to hearts. We're like, yes, man, everything's great. And day two goes by. Day three goes by. Day four goes by. And we haven't had that communion again with God. We're living off what God has done. I believe that was Israel's problem here. They had just had that sweet time with God. And then they were everything, everything's right with God. We're good. And they didn't continually seek God's face with every decision. And God was merciful to keep on working. God was working and showing his mighty mercy, but Israel missed it. Israel didn't see what God was doing. In fact, they're like, the whole time we're like, we've been tricked. Our leaders are so stupid. What are they doing? They don't know what they're doing. They didn't, but God was working. But don't you think it would have been so much better if they had sought God and God had said, this is the reason why Gibeon's coming to you, and I want to show mercy to them. I don't believe if they had asked, God would have said, they need to be wiped out. I think they could have understood a little bit more about who God is and how merciful and how great He is. So the challenge is, we must stay constantly, daily, every day in contact with God. We cannot allow, when God speaks to us, and there are those special moments, it's wonderful. But we can take those and ride from the, spirit, from the special meeting to the special meeting. From the preaching service on Sunday morning to the preaching at Thursday night. To the preaching on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and just ride those and expect God to speak to us all those times and not spend the time daily with God. Spending time, spending communication with God. Each situation we encounter, we need God's wisdom. The Bible commands us to be praying without ceasing. That doesn't mean we're driving down the road with our eyes closed praying, it means we're constantly in. A situation. We're constantly in a state of mind where we can have communion with God. We're constantly in a place where we can speak to God and God can speak to us through His Word. We are to trust 
in the Lord. There's command after command in the Word of God. Trust in the Lord. Just cast your care upon the Lord. Allow God to work it out. But Israel became unaware, was just unaware of what God was trying to do with the Gibeonites. Because they'd cut off their communication with God. They didn't start to ask. Now God was still working. God was still doing His mighty working. But they didn't get to see it. They didn't get to enjoy it. After the fact, they might say, well, all is well that ends well. But I would sure hate to get to the end of my life and say, well, I'm in heaven. All is well that ends well. I'd rather every day see God working in my life. Don't ride just the spiritual blessings that come. Those are great. But if Israel was going to continue to see God's blessings, if Israel was going to move forward, if Israel was going to get to see a little more of who God was, they had to spend and stay in contact with God. They had to stay daily with God, saying, God, is this the decision you want me to make? God, are you telling me to do this or are you not? God, should we go up to Ai not this way or that way? Communion with God. God was still working, but they didn't get to enjoy some of the benefits of that because they didn't stay in communion with God. God wants to work in Open Door Bible Baptist Church. God wants to work in your life. God is going to work. But you can do it unwittingly. You can do it as a kicking your feet and screaming, I don't don't know why this is going on. Or you can submit yourselves to God Pray, seek God's face, and allow God to show you what He's doing. Now, God doesn't always tell us what He's doing. God, we don't always know why. That is for sure. But God was trying to show Himself mighty here, and Israel missed it because they weren't in communication with God. How many times do we miss the blessings of God because we're not in communication with God? We allow what happened last Sunday to be okay. We allow the last meeting we were at to be okay. I've had God speak to me in the past. Well, great. Are you speaking with God today? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come before you. I thank you for your word. I just pray that you would, you would speak to hearts, Lord, that your word would, and that you would um, help us, Lord, just to allow you to be God and allow you to lead us and guide us each step of the way. In Jesus' name I pray, and before we say amen, if you need to pray in your seat there or come forward, we'll just take a moment.